I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome once again to the Purple Patch Podcast. This is your host as ever, Matt Dixon. Stephanie, this one's for you today, sis. Yesterday, we're talking about failure, poor performance, but most importantly, how do we bounce back? How do we come back from frustration and underperformance in our events and races? What happens when things don't go well? How do we bounce back? How do we actually set our mindset ahead of time to give ourselves resilience and the opportunity and the framework to come out of these inevitable failures? You see, when things don't go well, you're no less of an athlete, the same athlete, and in fact, the same person as you were before. So today, we're going to dive into the opportunities and lessons for growth in failing in an event or a race. But guess what, my friends? We're going to be talking about sport today, but you don't have to be that smart to draw the parallels to the lessons that we talk about here, to your work, life, or even to that keynote presentation at last week's Star Trek convention in Atlanta, where you fluffed the lines and you forgot the name of the Vulcan. Oh, it happens. It really does. But as you'll find out today, it's an opportunity for growth. Let's explore. But before we do, let's listen to the ukulele. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. Yes, the Word of the Week this week is precise. Precise, I'm leading on actually from last week's show, a little follow-up from our little episode that we did on specificity and underneath it all, precision. You might remember if you listened to that show around the fact that you're not a Swiss watch and I'm not a Swiss watch maker. Well, last week you might have read about Ed Baker, one of our amateur athletes that was the overall victor at Ironman Oceanside 70.3. He won the amateur race by several minutes. He had a great start to his season. Now, I'm not talking about Ed because I want him to bathe in his own glory, but to highlight his training week heading into the actual race. It was, you might be surprised to know, not exactly ideal. Precise was not the word that I would use to describe it. He had a particularly hectic couple of weeks leading into the event, and his four children were supplying lots of additional time commitments for him back in Boston. He also was carrying a little hip flex and niggle, and so that was going to cause Ed to make a decision as to whether he was actually going to run coming off the bike. Upon arriving in San Diego, his first two days were crazed, with him only able to get a little short spin on the trainer and an easy 20-minute run a day or two before the race. So suddenly, he's two days out, and he hadn't been able to follow his plan precisely for two days. And he sat looking at the first race of the season with more questions than he had validation. So I replay this story because it highlights a key but often misunderstood component of great performance, namely being change-able. Many athletes would fall into panic and feel like they failed. There's no reason to actually worry about that. A few missing pieces of the puzzle in the program are just always going to happen. Now, for your interest in Ed's case, the change that we made 
was that we decided that we had to remind the body what hard work was. He, in an anticipated fashion, had more rest than prescribed. Didn't get to do anything Monday, little bit on Tuesday or Wednesday, a fluff on Thursday, but really nothing of note. So now his body was really starting to get rested. So what did I do? I said, all right, Ed, you're not going to go and do your 20-minute spin with a few pickups. You're not going to do your 10-minute splash in the ocean. You're going to go and swim 30 solid minutes the day prior to the race, and you're going to include some building intervals. And then you're heading out on an extended ride. Instead of that 20 minutes, you're going to ride 90 to 100 minutes, and we're going to put some building efforts in there. That's quite a day of training on the eve of race day. But it was to create that familiarity and stimulus, a little bit of out-of-the-box thinking, but also a willingness of Ed to go with the flow and see what happens, which was part of the fabric of success. You see, so often it's less about precision and it's more just about simple adaptation to the circumstances you find yourself. What I would label that? Decision-making. And that is why this week, the word of the week, in irony, is precise. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. All right, troops, failure. It is inevitable. You will fail. At some stage, you will fail. But hopefully, you're overcome. I want to tell you a story about an athlete that I coach, Eric, and I'm going to protect Eric here. I'm not going to tell you where he lives. I'll just tell you in his, in his late 30s, and he's a fear-based athlete. He needed a little perspective to break down his barrier, and particularly his barrier of fear around competition. Late 30s, highly competitive, but his translation to race performance was always, well, I would call it a challenge. He had this immense looming fear of failure, the what ifs. And so one day, very recently, we had a conversation and I laid down two paths for Eric and it was right before next week's event. He was getting ready to race and it was the first race of the season. So there was that anticipation that was quickly being replaced by fear. Now, fear is a great distraction and not probably the state of mind to actually elicit your prime performance where trained potential can meet race day performance. So I said to Eric, we're going to play a game. So I don't have a name for this game. So for the sake of the show, I'm going to call it And Then. Not a very good name, is it really? But let's go with it. And Then. Now, i got to admit, it is incredibly uncomfortable to play because really, simply, there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide for me, for the coach. And for Eric, well, there was no getting out of it. And then. So we're seven days before the race and we had two conversations. Okay, Eric. And then you have a bad race. What happens? His response, I feel bummed. I feel disappointed. Okay. And then? Well, and then I feel like I've let myself down and almost my family down. Okay, and then? And, and then I feel guilty and I, I feel like I've wasted precious training time and I'm, I'm just, something's not right. I'm just not doing things right. Okay, so what? And then? 
Well, I'd probably just start getting pissed off and uh, think about quitting the sport and just getting frustrated and uh, getting angry, just upset and disappointed to anger. And then, now, by now, Eric was really starting to wish that I would start coaching him with some nurturing and supportive words. But, and then, well, I probably wouldn't quit. After, I don't know, a couple of days, I'd probably want to get revenge and go again and and then stop it he said it on his face i could tell that's what he was saying just stop saying those words but he goes with it okay i'd I'd probably begin training again for the next event and after a few days then i get charged up to do things right and i start driving towards my next competition you get the picture it's a process he went through a process from frustration and for lack of a better phrase failure but his route as he saw it would go through a series of processes and then would rejoin that river or that journey of progression towards the next one the makeup the next opportunity to succeed so eric thought his pain was over but unfortunately for him that was just the beginning in our game and then because we now had to paint success okay eric you knock it out of the park. You have great success. And then, well, <laughs> that's great, says Eric. I would I would be stoked. I'd be happy. I'd celebrate. And then, well, I'd, I'd feel validated. You know, I, I'd, I've trained my ass off for this thing and, and I, I'd go and race and I, and I reap the rewards and I'd almost be riding a wave. I'd just be super stoked. Good. That's great, Eric. Well done for a while. And then, well, finally, Eric broke. Matt, will you shut up with the and then stuff? Sure, I say. What then? Oh, okay. Well, things would probably settle down. I'd be on a wave. I'd be on a high and I'd settle. And I'd probably come down. It usually, if I, the times that I have raced well, you know, I've come down and I've sort of progressed back and things level and want to stop talking about it. And uh, yep, yep, yep. That's normal, Eric. And, and then, oh, well, I guess I'd move on and put that success behind me and I'd get back to it and I'd probably start charging towards the next event. And then, enough, stop it, Eric would say. Fair enough, it was time to stop. But do you notice the irony? You see, the two paths, one going down into the event, failure, and then through a process back to that same journey, The other one has a breakthrough, dream performance, and rides the wave of success, but then goes right back to that same journey. Because ultimately, to frame the start of this conversation, your performance is a journey. And it's a journey on either path that you go down, sometimes failure and sometimes success. You are going to be offered up great lessons, opportunities. You see, both paths will offer opportunities of learning and opportunities of growth. A poor performance always offers up lessons, but it isn't the only arena where you can get those lessons. You can also gain a lot of insight and lessons from breakout performances. But the key thing that Eric realized suddenly is any individual performance or event should never define you. And most importantly, it's not just about defining you as an athlete, but also as a person.
So why, Eric, do you fear a single event? Why do you fear a single stop along the train tracks of life and performance? Does one station elicit so much fear just because it's right in front of you? You see, what Eric was doing was really simply mimicking a very common approach to events and races. And that's one that's based in fear and the sniff of failure being the building block of evidence of his own self-weakness, insufficiency and being inadequate. And that can be paralyzing. And it's especially paralyzing once you realize a simple fact. And this goes for everyone listening. You cannot escape failure. You see, if you begin something, any sport, any endeavor, you have to go on a journey of ups and downs to grow and strive towards your potential. None of the greatest performers in any endeavor got to where they are without failure. Now, does that mean that high performers embrace failure? Are they bothered by poor performance? Of course they're bothered. No, they don't embrace it. They cannot stand it. They don't like it. But most understand that the context, that it is part of the tapestry of the journey of performance. So they also realize the greatest, the most successful, realize that it isn't something that defines them as an athlete or a human being and will ultimately, no matter how painful it is, offer lessons to continue the quest towards their own personal greatness. Okay, great. Got it. Understand it. I know it's part of the journey, but I still don't have the tools to actually manage and successfully come out of it with those looming emotions and frustrations that are come that are part of what happens when you do actually fail. Well, let's dig in a little more. You see, let's shift your mindset on poor single day performance. The way that I like athletes to think about it is that when failure or frustration or a poor performance does happen, it is nothing more than an offering of lessons. In other words, it is a gift to you to provide you with solutions as answers of what you have to do to get where you want to go. Failure and losses provide answers to the success puzzle. And if you remain objective and you retain a thirst for learning, and then performances can offer details of where you might have gone wrong or what you need to work on to thrive. Now, these lessons don't have to just be related to what happened on that day of the performance, but they can also be related to your overall approach to training in the sport. But you must be ready to learn. And this takes, let me think of the words, hmm, it takes... What are the words that I could come up with here? Ah, yes, I know. Humility, reality, and logic. It takes a certain humility to learn the lessons, a pragmatic lens where you can look at the reality of your situation and your approach, and rather than being reactive and emotional, actually being logical in your application of those lessons. So a really honest and open reflection of yourself and your actions and your global approach, not in a quest to punish yourself, but in a thirst to learn and grow is the best route 
for your potential to actually become into great race day performance. So let's get a little granular. Before we even hit success or failure, I think it's important that you lead into your sport with some important perspective. So let's start with context. The best thing that you can do to equip yourself for both success, which has its own challenges, and we will talk about that on another show, but also the subject of today, failure, is that you need to clearly establish why you're doing the sport and what you love about it. Because this is going to provide your context. What do you love about the sport? What are you trying to accomplish? And perhaps the most important question, why? Be honest. Be firm with yourself. Hold yourself accountable. Because if you can answer these questions or at least have a baseline to build from, what do I really actually enjoy? What am I looking to get out of it? And why am I looking to get those things out of it? It's going to provide an incredibly strong base to approach your training, make decisions, and ultimately, something that's more challenging than you might think, retain perspective. You see, you're going to be less drawn into the distractions or decisions of others. And you're going to establish, and this is important, real ownership. And with ownership, you are empowered. You may have others who help, training partners, coaches, physical therapists, but it's critical that you understand and appreciate that this is your journey and you are taking the journey for your reasons, not to validate yourself, not to prove anything to anyone else. But ultimately, you're only going to be successful if you understand why you're on the journey and what you're looking to get out of it. And with that comes ownership. And interestingly, most athletes never take this step. And never taking the step is just opening up the door of opportunity towards fear, a lack of control, and even a habit of blaming others for your own struggles. But with real ownership that is built off of a platform of self-understanding and self-appreciation, you get clarity and ultimately there is no hiding. But there's also no need to hide. And that becomes important. If you establish this, And then you are in a place that you can quash your fear of failure. You remember Eric? His journey was set to converge on the other side of performance, no matter the outcome of that day. So instead of isolated mindset on the outcome of that event or race, instead, Eric was now equipped to control the controllables and minimize the fear of the outcome of potential failure because it was just a part of the stop along the journey. And so it's going to happen plenty. It's understandable that as you're progressing and you're improving, not everything is going to go right. And so instead of focusing on the worry of the outcome that ultimately is going to lead to a path of distraction and fear, it's not exactly the best environment for success. You're just looking for long-term progression. Now, I don't suggest that This means that you're going to walk into your event with brimming confidence, absolutely no fear and void of butterflies in the stomach. You have to realize nerves are normal. And in fact, all the nerves are is your body readying itself for the effort, the performance. You see, butterflies or nerves show that you care. And so it's really important that you don't align your nerves with fear. They don't have to be associated to each other. And if you want to choose something, align your nerves with readiness. 
as my mate Steve Magnus calls it, priming, a perfect word. Your body is priming for battle and it's telling you that with the nerves and butterflies. So if we have these mindsets, assuming that your training and your preparation has been as good as it can be within context of your ability and time and life, then you provide yourself with the best chance of success. Now notice, I didn't mention promise success or guarantees of greatness because there are no guarantees in sport ever. But you race. It goes great. Fantastic. Well done. Celebrate. Enjoy it. 48 hours. Now, what can you learn? 48 hours later, what can you learn that led you to that great performance? A catastrophe? Oh, terrible. It eats you alive. Your friends, your family, your coach, everyone wants you to do well. No one thinks of you less as a person, but for you, it hurts. It's painful and it's okay to grieve. You got 48 hours. And then, same thing, what can you learn? Well, today we're gonna to discuss that post 48 hours, the aftermath of failure. Let's go through some perspective and some actions. So my first recommendation, very simple, don't take it personally. You have failed in your athletic performance but you are not a failure. Remember, you don't have to like failure. I've never met anyone who's worth the price of admission who does enjoy it, but realize that the process towards your own brand of greatness is going to bring failure on the way. So don't load it up. Don't take it personally. Once you get over that, the second step is analysis. You need to analyze, but you need to do this with a mindset that we would label logic, not emotion. You see, you're not seeking excuses and you're not trying to cast blame. Remember, this is yours. It is yours to own. And you are seeking the lessons to apply and a platform to grow from. And so you have to retain ownership on the process. And ultimately, you have to front up and own your failure. And so what we can do in the analysis phase is you search for where things went wrong. List them. Don't expect to find a direct cause for everything, but at least start to create a clear and objective picture of how you went into the event and what happened during the day. Now, you want to come out for a wider lens here. It's absolutely fine to break out the day if you're a triathlete going through swim, bike and run. If you're a Boston Marathon runner to go through the first 10K, the second 10K and so on all the way through the end. But it's also important to come out for a wider look. Let's look through a broader lens. What was the training like over the last few months? What got in the way? Travel, life, family, other stresses, niggles, broken sleep. Remember, we're not seeking to blame. We're not re looking for excuses. We're looking for lessons. And then finally, did you change anything on the way in? Equipment, eating habits, supplement. What were the things that actually are different from what you've done before? We're not seeking to jump to conclusions. And in fact, I would say it's typically impossible to identify a single issue. It's typically more complex and you must get comfortable that a single performance might not offer all of the lessons. 
we might not actually ever say this didn't go well because. But what we do get is a really broad picture and a framework to start discussing. So once we've drawn that all out on the paper, we can actually aim to seek the lessons. Number three, seeking your lessons. What are the growth opportunities? We're not looking for definitive answers because, as mentioned, sometimes there aren't only. But hopefully we can start to draw and paint the picture of where the opportunities of growth might be. And as this is a journey, we can start to create building blocks of changes or evolutions of approach or shifting mindset that might actually help performance. Now, a word of caution here. Here's a great example. This is one from last week. I ran Boston and I started feeling rough six miles in. Perhaps what I need to do is add more running mileage in the week. Well, maybe. But that's not really a lesson from your analysis there. You started to feel rough in a marathon six miles in, one quarter of the way to the event, and you started to feel dizzy and weak. So can we draw a direct correlation to say that you need more mileage in the week? Well, if your longest run going into the race was three miles, and then yeah, probably, because you're six miles in, that's double the mileage, you probably need to do a bit more. But if you were training for a marathon, I doubt that's the case. But that happens all the time. The easy route, the quick solution, I must do more, I must do more. It's the easy thing to throw on the fire. And so as you go through the analysis, and particularly when you start to seek lessons, be very cautious that you're not just taking the easy route and throwing the more solution. Now, if there are seemingly no answers, then you might not get those specific answers, but still the exercise has something valuable. And in fact, sometimes just as valuable as identifying a reason for struggle. Realize that you might do almost everything right, if not everything right. And for one reason that cannot be identified, it might just not happen. It's a funky business, this performance thing. Now, of course, with great habits, a great approach, smart training, pragmatic and high commitment, high work ethic, typically when you start to find your recipe, performance predictability improves and you start to get great success. But that doesn't mean every event will be a great success. And so don't build the case against you and don't ultimately deserve or define a solution that you have to if it's just simply not there. Go through the exercise, search for lessons, and if there's nothing there, move along. It doesn't need to be an erosion of confidence. It might just be something that happened. So is that the end? Is that the last thing that you do? No, I think there's a couple of other things you can do as well. The fourth, strengths and weaknesses. I think that this is something that's very personal, but I think it's really healthy to do. It has to be done via an objective lens and a healthy dose of reality. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Not in this performance, not the one that you just struggled in, but globally. Think big. Don't think about this race, but just as you as a performer. What are the areas that you can lean into and develop? What are the areas that you must grow to improve? 
Now, these often align with some of the areas where things went wrong. And you might be able to paint a more honest picture of yourself. You will have to do some healthy looking in the mirror, not looking out through a window and looking for others to blame, but looking in the mirror. Where are my opportunities to grow and improve? How am I as a performer? What are my strengths? Celebrate them and look to grow them. Where are my opportunities for growth and weakness where I need to actually go and do some work? Now, occasionally in this exercise, some others can help you, coaches, partners, friends, but I'd encourage you to keep this group very, very small and you want to keep them trusted because in this process, the last thing that you want is a seeking of validation. Instead, what you want is clarity and reality. So in this exercise, cheerleaders don't help. You want reality and honest feedback. Feedback isn't telling you where you're messed up, but equally, feedback isn't telling you that you're great when maybe you're just not great in all areas. And so I think that the strengths and weaknesses exercise is a wonderful chance for you to look in the mirror and take real ownership so that you can get a clearer picture of yourself in objective lens and then look to other coaches and build around it or look to other friends, look to other partners. Okay, we've gone through our four steps. Now, the final step, get planning. After 48 hours, no more than 72 hours, deal with it, suck it up, get on with it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You wanna transition from grieving, perfectly acceptable in the first 24 to 48 hours, into action. Get planning, get moving. It is the best therapy that you'll have and ultimately, you don't want to hide from frustration or grieving, but it's equally important not to wallow either. And besides, guess what? Here's the headline news. No one, your family, your friends, wants to be burdened with a grumpy athlete just because in a race they didn't do quite as well as maybe they hoped. It's not that important. And guess what? Nobody really cares. Not really, because they like you as a person and that's where they want you to thrive. And so give yourself accountability to get over it. 48, 72 hours, get moving, get action oriented, move along. And guess what? This doesn't need to be a massive deal. Why? Because a single event can seldom provide all of your answers. You see, we're going to shine or struggle. We're going to celebrate or suffer. But we assess, we learn, and then we move on. My final say, a championship mindset. You see, as we discuss struggle and failure, I can't help but give you a little tangential, little McDixon family phrase that we like to use on Baxter, our charging little six-year-old, who's, yep, a little crazy. Our magic word for you, feel free to steal it, feel free to use it, or feel free to reject it if it doesn't really work for you, but our magic word is yet. Yet, a very simple word, Y-E-T, yet. You see, Baxter, like many, many others, carries a little bit of performance anxiety, but that simple addition of that word sometimes turns roadblocks into possibility. I'll give you an example. Daddy, daddy. I don't want to take music lessons. I cannot play piano. Yet. 
I cannot play piano yet. Add that nice little word to everything and suddenly it all seems possible. I'm just not ready to perform well yet. You surely can be and you own it and it's up to you. So you might not be ready to perform well yet, but the future is up to you. All right, I hope that helps. The part of life, the tapestry of performance. But own it, front up, fix it, and then move along. Speak next time and have a great week. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers.